everyone, and welcome to Finsights from the FinLabs, your podcast for the latest in innovation and transformation from Cinecron's FinLabs experts. I'm your host, Joyce Pogge, Senior Associate of Marketing at Cinecron New York. In this series, we typically delve into a range of tech topics in conversation with industry leaders. But today, we're bringing you a very special episode that explores a key diversity, equity, and inclusion, or DEI, topic that, as you might already know, is a core part of our company culture here at Cinecron. We'll discuss how to banish unintended biases and understand, respect, and incorporate members of the LGBTQ community into the workforce while really celebrating their unique talents, skills, and individuality. Today, we're very pleased to welcome Frank Ojeda, a senior associate with the Visa and Immigration team here at Cinecron Charlotte. Uh, Frank is also one of our regional DEI champions as part of our Same Difference DEI initiative. Thank you for having me, Joyce. I'm very excited to be here. Uh, we have a lot of great content to discuss today, so I appreciate you having me. Of course. And Frank will be joined uh, by Shane Windmeyer, founder and executive director of Campus Pride, a U.S.-based leading national nonprofit organization dedicated to building future leaders and creating safe, more inclusive communities for LGBTQ people and allies at colleges and universities across the country. Campus Pride was founded in 2001 by Shane and offers a really wide range of programs and resources for students and prospective students. Shane is also a nationally recognized LGBTQ civil rights leader and campus pioneer. So welcome to our podcast, Shane. We're very, very excited to have you here. I'm very happy to be here, uh, especially with all of our friends here at Cinecron. Uh, thank you for having me. So before we really dive into today's topic, um, we do want to start by telling listeners that Cinecron and Campus Pride uh, do have a working partnership to promote and align our diversity initiatives and really expand uh, career opportunities for members of the LGBTQ community. This includes Cinecron serving as an inaugural partner for the soon to be launched Campus Pride Career Connect, which is a careers platform that aims to create authentic relationships between diversity promoting employers and LGBTQ college students. Shane, did I get that right? <laughs> yes, you certainly did get it right. Uh, if you think of it as a, a mentorship opportunity to really break down barriers uh, between uh, young people today who are LGBTQ plus as freshmen, sophomore, junior, seniors, uh, and connecting them with uh, you know companies and employers like Cinecron uh, through their employees, so they can create relationships early on. That's what it's all about, and giving them opportunities to you know be part of careers that maybe they wouldn't think otherwise. Wonderful. Well, I know we're really looking forward to that. Um, so let's start today by having you both just tell our audience a little bit about yourselves and your backgrounds. So Frank, I'll have you start. Sure. So uh, again, I'm Frank, and my primary function is on Cinecron's immigration team. Um, specifically, I work with PERM recruitment and green card processing. Um, I also served on the Corporate Social Responsibility Committee, organizing and planning community outreach initiatives. Um, then at the inception of Cinecron's DEI program, Same Difference, I became involved as a spoke for the Charlotte BU and ultimately co-lead the Global LGBT Working Group. Awesome. And Shane? Yeah. So, um, you know, I started my, my career in higher education. Actually, uh, I worked at UNC Charlotte, which is based here in Charlotte, North Carolina, and I was uh, assistant director of student activities. And 
during that time, I published two books. Uh, one of the books was called Out on Fraternity Row, and it was about being gay in my college fraternity. Uh, you know, I came out as a college student and I started Campus Pride through that activism, through that coming out process back in 2001, where we're celebrating our 20 year anniversary this year. Um, and I serve as, you know, the executive director uh, for those 20 years and the founder of the organization. So, you know, my role is really supporting students, uh, helping the organization grow and thrive and continue to, you know, challenge ourselves, uh, you know, to understand and to find ways to really support uh, students uh, on campuses with their leadership development, uh, help create safer, more inclusive communities. Wonderful, thank you. So let's just jump right into it. You know, over the last year, uh, year and a half, I guess, um, DEI program implementation and support has really become the norm rather than the exception. Um, and there are a lot of different programs dedicated to making the workforce more inclusive, um, both for current employees, but for also prospective candidates. Um, so Shane, how can we as a society, uh, Synecron as a company and companies more broadly, um, really best judge the progress that we've made embracing DEI initiatives and opening up the workplace um, or workplace opportunities to the LGBTQ community? I think that uh, today's uh, employers are trying to change their culture by projecting visibility for LGBTQ plus people. So, for instance, participating in pride parades, participating in, you know, LGBTQ plus events in their communities. And I think that that's important to do. Um, however, I what I've been challenging companies to do is think about deeper, more authentic engagement one on one, which is always the, the secret sauce. It's difficult to do because it takes a lot of resources to have one-on-one -on -one direct authentic relationships, particularly with LGBTQ young people. Uh, a lot of our young people look at corporate America and they see this visibility, but they're wondering like, does that systemically change the culture of the, of the company? Does a, a trans person who shows up in the workplace, you know, how do they feel? How do they interact? Uh, what what is the uh, the company culture beyond the you know the visible signs of of inclusion? And right. I think that's the part that I I really would encourage you know companies like Synecron is to 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 think about you know that culture of you know for a trans non-binary person as well as an LGB person in the, the spectrum of, you know, of gender and sexuality, uh, what does that inclusion look like? And, and that's something that we constantly challenge. And, and those metrics are more difficult. Um, but at the same time, I think they're vitally important to recruiting young people. That's really interesting. Um, you know, your platform or your career platform um, will serve to connect, as we talked about earlier, LGBTQ plus young adults with DEI focused employers. And are there any specific corporate driven initiatives that you have seen um, in your time in the industry that have been really instrumental in making an impact on LGBTQ plus individuals? So, you know, the impacts that we have seen is through company um, shadowing, uh, through internship, direct one-on-one -on -one, uh, times when, when students have to spend with different employees who work for the company. Those relationships are ultimately what a LGBTQ plus young person today, you know, thrive on. And, and I've seen that through uh, several of our 
companies that we do engage with, you know, their internship programs or their shadowing opportunities where they allow a young person to come and shadow an employee, those engagements uh, resonate really well with young people today. And that's why I think the, the direct one-on-one -on -one mentoring, albeit that it's through technology on an online platform, it also creates a safe space for those students to engage with an employee uh, and open the door for them, hopefully for the future. That's something to definitely keep in mind then for companies as they as they're developing their DEI strategy moving forward. Um, you know, Frank, on on Cinecron's side, you know, we have we have our same difference DEI initiative, but we have lots of different programs within that. Um, can you shed some light on what types of initiatives we're working on um, specifically around LGBTQ plus individuals? Yes, definitely. So there has been many, many things we have um, organized and rolled out over the past year as it relates to LGBT inclusivity um, and programs as well. Um, the current thing we're doing is with the DEI Coffee Break Initiative. So this essentially encourages open discussion um, aimed at raising awareness around various topics um, as it relates to diversity and inclusion. Um, during these coffee breaks, we will be discussing main types of diversity um, we will be hosting many learning sessions on microaggressions, cultural diversity. We'll be reading and discussing articles as it relates to diversity in the financial and technology industry. Um, we have also done a number of basically events that were rolled out during June's Pride Month a few months back. Um, one of the initiatives that I'd love to mention is Proud to Be campaign. So we rolled out an internal campaign that asked participants or employees to submit their entry, indicating what they were proud to be, whether it be a proud to be a parent or proud to be a subject matter expert in your field or proud to be part of the LGBT community. Um, so what we did afterwards is we compiled these answers and it was really great to see the diversity and responses we got. We, you know, because we're a global organization, we have so many different culturally based answers that really just spoke to kind of our workforce in general. And it did kind of provide us some insight as to where we can grow, you know, what we need to focus on, what's important to the employees. Um, another thing we did during Pride Month was participated in Pride Circle's Ally Challenge. This was a challenge that we participated in for the first time. And it included many challenges and activities geared towards raising awareness and promoting inclusive values in the workplace, within the community and across the globe. Um, but beyond those, we've also taken strategic partnerships with organizations that have a focus on diverse hiring, such as Campus Pride, like Shane was mentioning. Um, Campus Pride strives to build future leaders and safer campus communities for LGBT individuals while extending employment opportunities to students and grads. Um, we also have partnered with MyGWork. MyGWork is a social media platform aimed at LGBTQ professionals and inclusive employers looking for new talent. Um, they also have a mentorship component to this platform. And it's been great because it allows employers to connect directly with job seekers and those in the community looking for career advice to share insights on different journeys or struggles that they've encountered. So. We have definitely a lot going on with the LGBT front as it relates to DEI programs. Um, but yeah, those are probably the most notable. Absolutely, yeah. And it's it's really interesting, I think, what you were saying with the, the coffee breaks and then the strategic partnerships, you know, um, they all are connecting with people in small groups or one-on-one -on -one through mentorship opportunities, as Shane was saying, that that is really key um, 
here. So that, that sounds great. Um, you know, with the increased focus that we've seen on diversity and inclusion, um, do you, or how do you foresee the future evolving for LGBTQ community members within the workforce? And do you think that the momentum we have seen thus far um, is going to keep going? So first of all, let me say, I appreciate uh, companies like Cinecron for being so uh, diversified in their work that they're doing for inclusion, uh, particularly uh, in all the, the interactions that Frank just mentioned. I think that that's critical is that you just don't rely on having visibility in the pride parade and, and have, you know, uh, maybe a, a, a program uh, that, you know, supports LGBTQ students, uh, you know, once a year, like you, you need to make it part of your, your company culture and the fabric of your DNI work. Uh, so I think that's critically important. And as far as the, you know, the future and the kind of the evolution of LGBTQ, uh, you know, recruitment and um, retention work within companies, uh, we, we have to, and I think that this is now, um, but it's also the future, is we, we have to think about our intersections of being LGBTQ. Um, we, don't, we don't exist in these monolithic identities. Um, we exist across a spectrum of identities. So you're LGBTQ and a person of faith, you're LGBTQ uh, and a person of color. Uh, you have so many different parts of your identity. And so thinking about how an LGBTQ plus person is impacted because of their sexual and gender identity, but also uh, their intersections. And I think that's that's probably what's going to be, I think, a constant evolution within the workplace is figuring out how to make a an experience inclusive that uniquely identifies with each of your employees. Frank, if you wanna. Uh, great point, Shane. I absolutely agree with you there. I think for me, I kind of see more representation in senior leadership roles across more industries. Um, which then has an impact on those who are just beginning their careers or their studies. Um, we've already seen LGBT representation in senior government positions in the U.S. Um, and also the 2020 Olympics had a record number of LGBT athletes. It also was the most gender diverse uh, games in history, which has been really incredible to see as well. Um, such a global platform that was. Um, so I think more visibility can help influence others to rise to the top in any field. Absolutely. Yeah, visibility and and really understanding those those intersections of, um, you know, the uniqueness of each person and, and what they bring. Right. But with that all being said, do you think that biases will persist? And if so, how can members of the community overcome these biases, even if they're completely unintended? Um, and I guess one step further, what can allies to the community do to help combat these biases? Well, I think they definitely will, will continue, um, with any visibility in the social justice movement, you see whether it be unintentional or intentional bias, uh, existing, um, you know, when we look at racial justice today, it's not that racism doesn't exist. It's just that um, it's either more closeted or it's basically unintentional bias that people, you know, are learned behaviors. And the same is true with LGBTQ people as we get more visibility, as hopefully, you know, the Equality Act and, and other measures to give LGBTQ people full uh, civil rights. Um, you know, we're going to see that there will be discrimination, harassment. Um, and I, I do think that, that those biases, um, maybe not 
hopefully is direct, uh, will, will happen in the workplace. And I think the role of an ally is to, um, you know, when those happen behind closed doors or in, in you know, uh, in private to challenge those uh, biases um, and to confront them, especially if you're a supervisor or in a, a position of power or leadership. And, you know, we see that happening on our college campuses today where young people, particularly uh, young people who are trans or gender non-binary, uh, or even our, bi you know, we're, we just celebrated by visibility day, you know, our bisexual, pansexual, or asexual students, you know, there's a lot of lack of visibility still within the LGBTQ acronym. If you look at, uh, you know, beyond traditional gay lesbian. That's an excellent point. And I completely agree. You're so right there. I mean, even within that, you know, they, there are new pronouns added and new letters being added to the LGBTQIA. Um, so it's definitely an ongoing thing. Um, for me, I would say regarding biases and if they'll persist, I would say it's human nature to have biases. Uh, one of the things we teach in unconscious bias trainings is that biases alone are not wrong. Um, in fact, biases presumably originated in response to fears. And for cavemen and women, uh, were helpful for safety and useful for evolution and survival. Um, however, over time, these perceptions, you know, they tend to be intensified and reaffirmed that members in a certain category are more homogenous than they are in reality. And fast forward to present day, uh, personal characteristics such as race, gender, uh, sexual orientation, these are used as markers for personality, behavior, and other traits which is then compounded by the media and cultural stereotypes, um, which does have a negative impact. So, or it could have a negative impact. Uh, so to combat this, um, you know, continuing to conduct these unconscious bias trainings by promoting integration of different social circles, um, educating employees through engaging initiatives. I think these all can help navigate sensibilities in the workplace, but also beyond. And as it relates to allies in the community and their role, you know, like Shane said, recognize importance, leading by example. Um, oftentimes having managerial support can have a huge impact on their team's behaviors and workplace mindset. Um, allies are critical at all designations. Um, I've realized you cannot only influence company culture by a top-down approach. You have to definitely have people that are on the ground level that are seeing like what needs to be done and what is more feasible and what really can make an impact. Um, so, yeah. As we're talking about this, do you have any um, really good suggestions of how to activate allies within a company, um, within the workforce in general? Um, have you seen any examples of how to, how to do that really well? The ally role, um you know, from a college campus perspective, and, and that's the perspective that I, I my lens is, um, it, you know, allies are activated because they feel encouraged, they feel supported by their, their campus to be active and to be um, vigilant in the work that they're doing. And, and these people are passionate about being an ally. And so, you know, I, I think the culture, in my opinion, uh, and how we reward uh, people is what's going to encourage allyship. And um, that's what I would comment on that. I'm curious what Frank has to say. Sure. So, and, and absolutely right there. You know, I think for me with allies, what we've found to be, you know, helpful is having the CEO issue a statement on diversity 
um, you know, that goes out on all social media platforms and across different industry boards that show our stance very clearly. And by having an ally that is the, you know, co-founder, the CEO, that is a, that's probably the ultimate ally for an organization is to have their leader be on board. And so if we can communicate across all channels and all designations that this is our mission, this is our goal, we're looking for people to frontline um, you know, their stance and show that this is not some taboo topic. And it could be, of course, culturally, but within the Cinecron culture, it's not taboo. And, you know, you're encouraged to bring your whole self to work and to have allies, like I said, like the CEO, people just joining the organization with no experience other than college education, they're equally valuable because they have new insights and perspectives to, to provide um, for the path forward. So, so yeah, I just think, you know, again, communicating on all levels, um, all designations and just promoting equality, inclusive tendencies. And um, yeah, that's what I would say. Wonderful. Um, Shane, you know, as you work with youth in their college years, um, how can organizations help make the transition from university to the workplace a little bit smoother and make newly graduated students feel seen and heard and understood and accepted? So I first of all want to applaud Senecron. The fact that you have senior leadership, you know, as allies um, is, is critical and it sends a message. And so the fact that um, when you're communicating with a young person who is looking for, you know, a job at Senecron, um, telling them the company culture exists where you have, you know, senior leadership who are allies or as out LGBTQ people is even better, right? And so, you know, having more leadership, you know, all over the organization that have out, you know, uh, folks is is helpful to uh, helping a young person choose Cinecron and to, um, you know, find themselves within your company uh, and to live their, their holistic self, uh, you know, as an employee is only gonna uh, benefit the company in the long run. Um, so, I mean, you know, I think that the, our goal, our hope is that the Career Connect tool that Cinecron uh, is a partner with us um, will uh, help break down some of those systemic barriers for queer people of color uh, that may have more apprehension about what the company culture is like, as well as uh, for, you know, trans non-binary people who you know, we we oftentimes have young people who are trans who have a wonderful phone interview, but when they actually show up in the workplace, they, you know, they don't necessarily feel the company culture is what they expected because of either how they're treated, maybe they're misgendered by mistake. Again, it's that unintentional bias because we're we look at people as a as you know a pronoun and we, you know, we, we don't really think about that or we haven't uh, been trained or as aware, all of our employees, um, you know, those are the things that, you know, will help a young person transition is to have all your employees from every level of the organization aware that we don't just assume pronouns, we ask um, and we don't use them unless, um, you know, uh, we know. And, and that's, that's part of that transition. That's part of the educating employees. Um, and it, it's something that we're all, you know, I, I use we, but uh, really, you know, that companies are learning that even college campuses, faculty and staff are learning. Um, and it's important. And that's just one example of helping that transition is thinking through all those levels of education that need to occur. 
Um, you know, Frank, you're kind of on the, the other side of this, you know, as you work with the visa and immigration team, you also partner very closely with recruitment and HR and of course our employee resource groups. So you're one of the early points of contact for people, especially, you know, um, or additionally to young graduates who are now entering the workforce. So I'd like to get your take on this as well. You know, how can we make that transition from university to the workplace smoother? Sure. And that's a really great question. I would say um, kind of one thing that we've been doing more lately and um, we've implemented across all BUs is including diversity statements, our DEI statement and our stance on every job posting. Um, this has been great because there's a lot of senior level job positions and there's a lot of entry level job positions and everything in between. So to have that one uniformed approach, including the stance of the diversity and inclusion statement, which some may see, you know, as irrelevant to the job description. It really does kind of just set apart every new applicant or potential candidate um, interested in joining the organization and showing, you know what, we are welcoming to all. And we not only are welcoming to all, but we encourage you to join us. Give us your skills. Let's work together. And um, so definitely, including that statement on job postings is something recruitment has done. Um, and kind of what I said earlier, making their social media stance and and presence just more uh, more visible. And then after new employees join the organization, introduce them to any relevant employee resource groups. Connect them with you know initiatives that have been planned and rolled out in the past, but also planned uh, for the future that are upcoming. Um, I've connected with local HR and they are planning to basically implement into their onboarding procedure um, a little bit about our DEI program, which has been something that's been new. Um, that wasn't really a part of the onboarding curriculum before, but I was like, you know, I think this is very important. That's one of the first, that is like a mandatory thing is the onboarding portion of a new hire. So why not include our stance and beyond that, what we've done, our different working groups right out of the gate immediately, just to let anyone know, you know, you know, if they're attending for the first time or new to Cinepron, um, just kind of let them know that we are here for you and we are definitely interested in working together and any new ideas are welcomed. So those are a couple of the little things. The larger things to help transition is organizations can review current corporate policy language, ensuring that it is representative of the social modern climate. Um, for example, dress code and gender norm expectations, um, implementing an anti-discrimination policy, review corporate benefits to see if same-sex partners are covered. So there's a lot of things that organizations can do to really help make new graduates feel seen and understood and also accepted. I have to underscore, because uh, Frank brought up some good points. Uh, the employee resource group, we haven't really um, you know, emphasized enough. I do think a strong ERG um, for LGBTQ plus people is essential. And particularly uh, to help that, that new employee get acclimated um, you know, on a professional level, but also on a personal level and providing them with uh, somebody that they can talk to that first year on the job. Uh, because we find that you know, if we look at some of the research, uh, you know, LGBTQ plus people, you know, their first year or two is what will determine how long they stay with the company. And so, you know, that's true with many diversity, uh, you know, segments that we, we target for recruitment and retention work. Um, and so that ERG, I have seen, you know, so many wonderful relationships come out of those employee resource groups. And, and I love, love the fact that, 
you know, Frank brought up uh, clothing and kind of gender norms that we have as companies and, you know, extending that to, you know, facilities and bathrooms and making sure that our buildings have, you know, single stall lockable uh, facilities for people who don't want to go to a group restroom or be in a gendered restroom. Absolutely. Yeah. I think, you know, what's really key is having, as you guys said, you know, the, the education, the awareness right from the get-go, um, but also that point about, um, you know, documents and policies and procedures, not having those set in stone, right? Those, uh, you know, HR handbooks and things like that with, um, you know, the clothing guidelines and um, and things of that nature, you know, they they can change as as the things around us change, right? As, as we know better, we, we do better. And so, that's something to keep in mind, right? That those, those documents shouldn't be set in stone. Things can change. So as companies really embrace DEI initiatives like Synecron, um, we have tons of, of programs and everything, but how, how can companies like us and others in our industry do better in providing opportunities to all skilled and qualified individuals, regardless of their culture, their lifestyle, their preferences, or, or anything else? Um, Frank, I'll have you start. Sure. So I would say first and foremost, by investing in their employees. Uh, Cinecron currently provides all employees free access to Udemy courses, encouraging diversifying our skills, which makes us more qualified for opportunities that may become available. So you pair that with our accepting and open environment and company culture, then it really sets a good groundwork for having qualified individuals apply no matter their culture or lifestyle um, you know, to different positions. Um, another thing is posting jobs and job descriptions on various diversity-focused job boards. That's something we've been doing and getting great feedback on. Um, by attending career fairs focused on diverse hiring, we've attended many, many career fairs. And I've talked to a lot of great people who said, you know, I, had, I left a previous employer. Um, they were great, but I just didn't feel like it was a great fit. You know, I wasn't disrespected or anything, but it was just, I didn't feel that the culture was aligning with how I live and how I, um, how I am. So I think, yes, by investing your employees, seeking out diversity focused platforms to recruit for new talent, those are critical, I think. And I mean, that <laughs> you hit a home run there, I think, Frank, with your response, because I mean, investing in your employees, I think, is critical toward retention as well as just making them do more you know, quality work um, and feel like the company supports and makes them aware. So I love that answer. And, you know, the only thing I would add to it is, you know, creating that sense of personal connection. I always go back to that and, and that a company feels part of something bigger and that there's a vision and a company culture that that supports the local community, supports the LGBTQ plus community. And I know Cinecron believes in that. So, you know, I, I think that the, you know, there are many companies out there though that, um, you know, could, uh, you know, have a more uh, local as well as national presence within the LGBTQ plus community that would, you know, in addition to what Frank said, of course, uh, that would help uh, kind of the relationship with, the, the employee one-on-one feel like, you know, this company means something, they're committed. And, and we see that with brands, particularly um, that are seen as LGBTQ progressive brands. And that's ultimately, you know, where an out and proud LGBTQ plus person wants to be. They want to be at a, at a company that their brand means something to the community that they are part of. 
I think too, you know, especially as, as a lot of companies are still working remotely, you know, so, so we're all kind of spread out um, geographically. And so I think um, it's even more important to have a company culture that is, you can really feel that even when you're not with your colleagues in one space. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, no, most definitely. All right. So October is a huge month. Um, It's LGBTQ History Month, and that also coincides with National Coming Out Day on October 11th. Um, How important is it uh, to educate ourselves on the significant history of the LGBTQ community and to listen to people's stories? Um, Shane, I'll have you take this one first. Sure. So one of the things I think is vitally important for us to understand is that history of the LGBTQ plus community has not been taught to us. Uh, We don't have any education that is inclusive of LGBTQ plus history. And so when we think of, you know, historical figures um, like Bayard Rustin, who was the, you know, the right hand man to Martin Luther King, uh, you know, his story, you know, when we think about, you know, people like Alan Turing, who basically, uh, you know, the Enigma code ended World War II, the basis of today's modern day computer, Um, you know, these people who historically and through his, you know, through what they did in history, changed the world and changed how we live our lives today. But yet they are ignored in our, you know, our middle high school history books. And when a young person is challenged with coming out and understanding who they are as a lesbian, gay, bi, trans, queer person, you know, the rainbow spectrum of identity. When when they're challenged by that, when they're facing that depression, you know, those thoughts and the anguish around, do they come out to their parents? That history could save their lives. And that's why it's important to teach and for us to know our LGBTQ plus historical figures, which there are hundreds of thousands of people who are not just within the last 20 years, but, you know, that span, you know, from the 1800s to the 1900s who, you know, are within that spectrum of, of gender and sexuality that we should be talking about. And that, you know, that allows us to come out, which is what October is really all about is our history and the ability to come out. But they're, they're so intricately woven together, together that um, I just think that we don't oftentimes think about the power of knowing where we come from and that there have been positive LGBTQ plus people, how that can impact someone who is growing up today to have some sort of dignity and respect to see themselves as worthy and loved. Absolutely. Exactly. And piggybacking off that, I love that you mentioned, Shane, some historical figures. I mean, you know, speaking of those, Gilbert Baker, he was an American artist, a gay rights activist and designer of the rainbow flag, which has really grown to become a worldwide symbol of LGBTQ pride. Um, You know, it also stands for LGBT rights, causes and so many other things. And I remember reading that he basically used recycled materials from a San Francisco community center to make this flag. And it's just incredible the small steps that one may take at one time and the impact it can have when it's compounded over decades. Um, So definitely, I think history is very, very important. Um, Speaking again about Ally Challenge, I mentioned previously, um, one of the Synchron initiatives that we 
participated in was the Ally Challenge. And one of the challenges was to uh, read the coming out story of an LGBT individual. And so by connecting with the community, hearing their stories, you know, some are tragic and some are really amazing and uplifting coming out stories. So I think to really just to hear their stories is so important to learn the history, um, you know, through education, raising awareness and increasing visibility all help to normalize what may be considered taboo in other cultures. Um, also by personalizing other individuals, it allows the space for growth. So I think it's very, very important to, uh, and that's what's so great about this month coming up with October is it allows us a platform to really, again, speak to the history that, like you said, Shane, was not taught to us. And that's a really great point. Um, so yeah, I think that's really um, very, very important. And not only was it not taught to us, but let's keep in mind that, you know, at least for my generation, um, typically how you learn about your history is through your elders and, you know, there weren't many out people when I was young to look up to or to see. And so if you aren't, if you aren't taught or shared your history through middle school or high school, then and you don't have elders and, you know, the AIDS, uh, you know, epidemic, I mean, the, it basically killed a lot of the people that I would have looked up to um, and who hopefully would have been out to share that history. And so I, I think that that's a conundrum that is important for, for allies to understand and it's not about we're making up new history. We're, we're just teaching the history that we should have been taught. And there's there's actually a great resource. The AARP has a, uh, a short video that's called LGBTQ uh, Lived History. And it's a, a wonderful five minute video that takes you through historical figures from the arts to science to, to every gamut of our lived society from the 1800s to the 1900s to today. And it talks about these historical figures. And so I would definitely recommend a quick little Google search of the AARP uh, LGBTQ history video um, because it's a wonderful resource to share. And before I forget, there's another date in October uh, that, that I think is important, uh, especially for companies who are you know, trying to do better. Uh, and that's International Pronoun Day is October 20th this year. And uh, I encourage people to check that out. There's some great resources there too. Thank you, Shane. Yeah, and I think, you know, you've both touched on this in, in your responses, but, you know, the only way we can really make change is by understanding what's happened up until this current moment, right? And we need to understand the why, you know, why are we driving change? Why is this so important, et cetera? And so personally speaking, you know, as, as an ally, right, I, I don't know what it's like um, with firsthand experience. I don't know the day-to-day -day of, of someone navigating the world or the workforce as a member of the LGBTQ plus community. Um, you know, I'm looking at it a few steps removed. And I think as an ally, if you leave it just as a few steps removed, looking at it through several layers, um, you're not going to be able to understand the why as much. And so I think as you both said, you know, by, by listening to stories, by learning the history, um, you're given a new perspective. And maybe that's as close as you'll get to a firsthand perspective. And, and by understanding the realities of, of the other people around you um, and connecting it to that, that why, I think that's really how you drive actionable change going forward. Very well said. So we're almost out of time today, but. Um, I have one final question for you both. You know, if there's one or two things that you'd like our audience to take away from our discussion today, 
um, whether or not they're a member of the LGBTQ plus community, what would that be? And Frank, I'll have you kick this one off. Sure. I really like what Shane said early on, so I hope to not take your answer, but challenge your own biases. That is so critical because if you don't push yourself, then you're going to kind of remain in the same mindset. And it's just so important, you know, ask yourself why you may feel that way. Previous experiences, was it cultural or religious conflicts you may be, you know, coming into contact with? Um, Every individual has something valuable to contribute, especially when they are comfortable being themselves in the workplace. Um, another thing, open communication and connection is critical, you know, have those uncomfortable conversations and disagreements, they may happen, but it's through those moments that the most growth can happen. Well, you didn't take my answer. Thank you, uh, Frank. I, <laughs> but I do, your answers are, are important. And, um, I, I think where I like to go is that there's often this, this idea that it, it gets better, that, you know, we're, we live in a world where LGBTQ people, um, you know, things are better. And we get in this narrative of, okay, well, gay people have the right to get married. And, and what I try to challenge people is that, you know, maybe part of the acronym, maybe things are better, but there's so many uh, intersections around racial justice and disability and that, you know, the entire acronym, you know, is where we need to focus. And that includes, uh, as we've mentioned, you know, our asexual intersex, you know, queer uh, identified non-binary trans bisexual pansexual, you know, there, there's many, um, not new identities, but identities that we have become aware of because we've, we basically have created an open inclusive way to look at sexuality and gender that is more holistic and, and, you know, in my opinion, more scientific because we're, we're not just black and white or, you know, yellow and orange, like there's lots of shades in between and, and that's where we're at. So I, I like to think about, you know, it doesn't just get better. It's each of our responsibility to do better. And that's where, whether it's companies like Cinecron, whether it's individuals like myself, you know, I constantly try to think about what can I do better to be an advocate for, you know, uh, queer women of color or, uh, you know, for somebody who has a disability um, and who is LGBTQ plus. And so that's, that's where I constantly challenge and where I would like to, you know, leave it for folks who are listening is to the, think of ways that you can do better. Well, those were both very powerful final thoughts. Thank you both. Um, it's been wonderful talking with you both today. And thank you so much for sharing your time and your insights on these important topics. Um, for me personally, it's been a, a very enlightening discussion and I know that it will be for our listeners too. So um, thank you for joining me today. Thank you for the opportunity. I really appreciate Cinecron and uh, your partnership. And I look forward to working with you all for, for many years. Absolutely, Shane. And it's been a joy, you know, connecting with you, getting to know what Campus Pride is doing and what Campus Pride has done. And, um, you know, we've made huge strides on progress um, as it relates to LGBT inclusion, but there's still a long way to go. Um, in order to make lasting change, it takes an informed approach and consistent effort and you know, mobilization of allies across all levels and just education. And I mean, I can't say enough about awareness and visibility, how important that is, because then it becomes more normalized. And, and so, yeah, a lot of, a lot of work ahead to still do, but 
you know, again, Shane, thank you. Joyce, thank you for providing this platform. And um, it's, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much. Of course. And of course, thank you to all of our podcast listeners. If you like what you heard today, don't forget to like and subscribe. If you'd like to learn more about how you can support the LGBTQ community, you can reach out to Campus Pride at www.campuspride.org. You can also reach out to Cinecron at www.cinecron.com to learn more about our multiple DEI initiatives and explore the job opportunities that we offer to anyone with the skills and determination to join our teams. That's all of the time we have today for this episode. We'll catch you next time.